0: And welcome to the Talk They Hear You podcast. What parents are saying, prevention, wisdom, authenticity, and empowerment. This podcast is brought to you by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as SAMHSA. Talk They Hear You is a national prevention campaign that aims to help parents and caregivers talk with their kids about the dangers and risks of underage drinking and other drug use. In this podcast, we hear what is working and what isn't, and what might assist in our efforts to help kids navigate away from alcohol and other drugs. I'm Debbie Burnt, Director of Parent Movement 2.0, and I'll be your host. As a reminder, the views expressed here are not necessarily those of SAMHSA or the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. All right, welcome back everyone. We are here again with Dr. Collier, and we've been talking about brain-based parenting over the last couple of sessions. And we know that the goal of that is to reduce risk and to empower as much brain development as we can. So with that, we really wanna spend this session talking about tips and tools and techniques and more language of how to really integrate this into our family's lives and into our parenting. So where would you start us, Dr. Collier?
1: Oh, I would start with the family code. Okay. In my research, I learned that a lot of times parents don't have a set of rules, morals, values that they use to govern specific behavior protect the frontal lobe. We actually are parenting in smaller and smaller circles than we used to. Our village has become really small and sometimes it's one single parent that is doing everything without a lot of support or feedback or traditions that get passed down. And so one of the things that can be very empowering is sitting down with your child and creating a family code Family code needs to be about two to three sentences, four sentences. It needs to be short. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. But what you start off by doing is talking about a few values, asking your children, okay, what do you value? The best age to start this is around six, seven, eight. Okay. But you can do a code at any age. I actually had a mom and her daughter who was in college create their own family code that helped her Justify the behaviors that she wanted her child to exude in college, but also set her up for the consequences of what would happen if she didn't engage in those correct behaviors, right? Okay. So you sit down and you say, okay, here's a few morals and values. We believe in honesty. We believe in protecting our brain. We believe in integrity. You know, a few of those you can Google values and, and make it fun. And then you want to sit down and ask, okay, what are the no's in our family? What are behaviors that are not okay for us to do? Like to treat people unkindly or to engage in addictions or, you know, what are those no's? And then you kind of put those together in a very short family code and you create a poster and you put it on the wall. So the call your family code Is in our family, we treat others with kindness, compassion, and respect on and offline. We protect our brain as it's growing and developing. We do not use substances, only alcohol when we're 21. That's the code. You put that on the wall someplace. I actually had a dad who created a coat of arms. And he embedded the code in it. And I had a family who drew a family tree. Everybody had a leaf, like their own name. And then the code was in the trunk of the tree. It was really cool. And they put it on the wall. Then the next tool is family dinners. Mm. There is an extensive amount of research that shows when we sit and have meals with our children, it is protective. Mm. We're looking each other in the eye eye contact, smiling, those increase dopamine levels naturally. Of course, the food we're eating, breaking bread also gives time for conversation. But as we get older, it's harder and harder to have sit down family meals together. So it's important that you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It just needs to be a tradition. Even if the tradition is a fast food burger on the way to soccer practice that you sit and eat together before they go. Like It just needs to be a tradition and you want to try to hit the goal of five to six meals together, whether that be, like I said, in a car on the way or sit down. And then during those family meals, you can use the Family Dinner Project website to generate questions. You can use brain-based praise questions and work on executive functioning skills. Remember, it should not be a big lecture. It needs to be about attunement and connection with your kids, but then- The next tool that you use is what I call conversation starters. So I created this conversation starter calendar that has all the prevention dates of the month. And so depending upon your child's age, right, and development, starting around elementary school, there are certain high-risk behaviors that come online during those ages. So what you'll want to do is use the conversation starter calendar. Like, for instance, hey you guys did you know that it's national eating disorders week do you guys know what an eating disorder is got it and then you use the tool that i call duct tape therapy (laughs) duct tape therapy is just what it sounds like (laughs) imagine a big piece of duct tape going across your mouth you ask one or two questions and shut (laughs) up and let them talk yeah, And so no pressure, right? You don't have to describe what an eating disorder is to your child because they will describe it to you. Right. You'll get to find out how much they know. Some of the younger kids might be like, what's an eating disorder? And the other kids might be like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. And then you can simply end that conversation by saying, well, we take care of our brain and body in the family. That's our family code. So that, you know, wouldn't happen. But if you ever felt weird about how you felt about your body, I'm here to talk. Wow. Then in three weeks, four weeks, you look at the calendar. Oh, you know what? It's National Smokeout Day. Do you guys know about vaping? Have you heard about vaping? Duct tape therapy. (laughs) Then you listen and kids will be like, oh yeah, so-and-so got in trouble for doing it in the bathroom. And, you know, oh, then you use the three magic words. The three magic words. Debbie, do you know the three magic words? I don't think I do. (laughs) I do. We always say, I love you because that's like what, well, you know, it's I, that's what I yeah. thought. <laughs> but the three magic words really are, tell me more, mm. tell me more, play dumb. What, huh? What? Tell me more. Wow. Instead, what we usually do as parents though, is we move into director mode. Oh, well, you can't do this. Remember, you're a trainer at that age, especially older ages. So what you'll want to do is say, tell me more. Well, you know, in our family, our family code says we don't do that. Another way you can use the family code is when your kids are leaving to go to events, sports events, if they're going independently, sleepovers. Sleepovers are really important for socialization, but a lot of high risk behavior can happen on a sleepover. So on your way, your, your child's leaving, you can say, OK, I want you to be a good rep of our family code. What's the family code? And you want to repeat it. And it's only a couple sentences. So you're like, in our family, this is what we do. That can empower you as a parent. And it also creates unity. This is what we do in our little tribe. And you represent our tribe. Mm. And then, of course, you know, when kids make mistakes and they fail to represent the code, you let them know, here's the consequence for doing that.
0: Okay. So... Okay, let me let me back up for one second. And I love the language. I love all the examples of that. And I do want to say if I haven't already, the Talk They Hear You campaign also has great conversation starters to add to that dinner conversation. And then we also have this really cool mobile app that allows parents, if you're not comfortable with this language, to practice it. And you can record yourself and hear what you sound like. This idea that we have to engage with our kids, and I think we've talked about this in the other episodes, about how that gets harder when our kids get older. Yes. And yes, and then this idea that you just introduced, that they make mistakes. And so what do we do with that? because it's just hard to have a consequence and then stick with it. And, and as our kids get older too, you, or maybe even when they're younger, you can kind of empathize with the mistake as their parent, you know, it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I did that one, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, maybe minor in the, in the big picture, maybe not, but we all made mistakes when we were younger. And so when our kids do it, what do we what are some consequences how do you tell parents to think about consequences and set those up and deliver Oh, this is
1: tough. Yeah. And I have a lot of parents who feel disempowered in these moments because they engaged in risky behavior yeah. when they were kids totally. and so I literally Debbie, I did a deep dive into the literature on this and here is what research says okay. is that if you lie to kids mm they know it, they feel it. And so, but it's also important not to glamorize about your risky behavior that you engaged in, but to not lie and own that you did it because kids are going to be like, well, didn't you drink when you were my age and things like that. And I think it's what the research really says and what bears out in practice is to say to kids, yeah, you know what? I did make that decision and here's why I regretted it because I had to sneak in and I lied to my mom and I felt guilty about it. And I ended up doing things that I regretted in the end.
0: It's
1: good. Now, even if you had a blast when you were a teenager at the kegger and that was the talk of the town, that is not what you're gonna tell your 16 year old who wants to do the same, (laughs) Okay. right? Knowing that they probably will do the same. Right. Mm -hmm. But to be able to say to your kid in our family, we protect our brain from things like alcohol and drugs. And if you end up choosing to engage in a risky behavior, call me. If you call me and you let me come pick you up, if you've made a mistake, then your your consequence is going to be minimal. But kiddo, if somebody else calls me or if I find out that you've engaged in this from anyone else, another adult, another kid, a police officer, a teacher, whoever, then your consequence will double or triple. It's really important that you uphold the family code and protect your brain as it's growing and developing. I know that you want to engage in things that other kids are doing, but this is what we do in our tribe, in our little family. This is our family code. And that way they know that, you know, they're going to make mistakes. You don't expect perfection, but that they will get a consequence for that. And a consequence for engaging in a risky behavior really should hurt. You know, it should be the loss of an event that they really wanted to go to, or it should be the loss of their phone, the loss of driving privileges, especially if they drove in a risky situation, right? And that needs to hurt for two weeks, four weeks, depending upon what the size of the infraction was. And then what you really need to remember is that the majority of kids do try alcohol and drugs in their teenage years, but that percentage then goes down. When you look at the kids who are misusing, I mean, you're looking at maybe 25, 30%. And the kids who meet criteria for alcohol or substance dependence is anywhere between 12 and 15% of high school students. So if you've got a kiddo who got in trouble, they got a consequence, and they did it again, that's time to seek treatment, to like find a therapist who knows substance use and, uh, and teens. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Adolescent specialist, you don't want to send them off to rehab right away unless it's warranted. You really need to have a professional assess you and your family environment to find out what's going on that is creating a situation where the kiddo is making these choices. Repeatedly. Yeah.
0: And the one repeat some parents listening might think is really quick and some people might think isn't. Reacting quickly is what we should do. In your mind or in your expertise? Well,
1: so making sure reacting quickly to bring them out of a harmful situation. That's when we react quickly. But it's harder if you don't already have a rule. You know, if you don't have a family code, I will ask clients of mine when I assess them, what's your family rule about drinking, about drugs? This one kiddo said to me, oh my God, my mom says drugs completely off the table. She would kill me if I did drugs, but she's okay with me drinking. And I was thinking, I don't believe you. But So when I brought mom in later, I said, what are your family rules about drugs and alcohol? And she said, oh, he knows never to use drugs, but we have told him that he can drink at home, but only at home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to realize how that growing frontal Mm -hmm. lobe absorbed that information, right? right? And, And that's what kids do. Right, if you let them drink at home, they generalize that. Oh, my parents don't care if I drink. And then the kids find out where that house is and they will go to that house to engage in that behavior. That's when we really need some remediation and some help with therapeutic interventions, when it's to that point.
0: I feel like we said a couple things there. That idea of you can drink in my house. I hear repeatedly from parents and I understand the kind of intuitive nature behind that. I think as parents, we feel like, well, they're going to do it anyway, and I'm going to keep them safe and I'll have the keys and no one's going to drink and drive. But I think what you just said is so important. Kids here, you can drink in my house and they generalize to, you can drink and I'm okay with you drinking. And I know there's even research that shows kids that believe it's okay to drink in their house, drink more. They drive and drink more often. Yeah.
1: Um, the younger that you are when you start drinking or using any substance or risky behavior, I mean, we're talking about video game overuse, gambling, anything like that, the greater your chance of growing up and struggling with a full-blown
0: addiction. Wow. yeah.
1: So it's really critical to delay yeah and teach your kids why you're asking them to delay, even in a world where 90% of the global drug supply is consumed in the United States. Hmm. Alcohol and binge drinking is a rite of passage for young people. These are sad situations. So teaching our kids how to find healthy dopamine sources with service, with giving, with connection, with attunement, and making sure they know what the structure is, what you expect of them. You know, I expect you to protect your brain as it's growing and developing, and here are the rules about that. If you choose not to follow them, I get that, you're a kiddo, you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna wanna try to experiment, but here are gonna be the consequences of that action. And if you continue to do that, then we will get help to make sure that you don't continue making that choice in the future. That's all about knowing your child's neuro, neuro whereabouts, teaching it to them and using the tools and, and techniques to protect it and them as they're growing and developing. I think maybe I'll end with this last yeah. quote that I learned. There's a couple of great studies out there. If you ask kids qualitatively, why did you choose not to drink or use? Or if you already experimented, why did you not continue on? The number one answer, my mom would kick my butt. <laughs> and so, you know, that's not about aggression. That's about a parent who firmly says, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah. our family code is this, not that. Right.
0: Oh, it seems so simple when we just say it. It's just harder in practice. And before we end, I did want to ask you a little bit more about community. Do you have any experience or know of parents who have gone to their kids, friends, parents, and said, okay, yes. what do we want for these kids? How did that go? Yes.
1: I, I've Actually, I put that in the, my tools section of, of my guide. It's called the whereabouts log, okay. and it's got a list of questions to ask your child's peers' parents. Okay. And so empowering parents I had a friend of mine when she read that page. I was asking her for feedback. She read it and she started to cry. And I said, why are you crying? And she said, I didn't know I could ask these Ah, things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I put this in there because, of course, you have the right to protect your child at someone else's house. And to be able to say, Hey, can we get on the same page together? My kid's going to spend the night with your kid. I want to want to make sure what your alcohol policy is. You know, the technology policy, we don't allow these video games. Do you have a monitoring software so they don't look at bad pictures online? Those are appropriate questions to ask another parent. And when you hear parents do and come together in community that way, not only empowers the parent, right? Because parent peer pressure is a thing. It's, nice. it's a huge yeah, thing.
0: Totally. But
1: a lot of times you'll hear other parents trying to pressure people into to allowing your kids to do permissive things. Mm-hmm. Instead of falling into that pressure, being able as a parent to say, oh no, this is this is our family code. This is what we do in our family. And if my kid's gonna hang out with your kid, I'd like to know that you're at least you know ours. You don't have to be on our same page, but at least you know what ours are. And I'm gonna ask you to hold my child accountable for those when they're anywhere, you know, including your house.
0: I think that's awesome. And I just kind of teared up too. There is something about realizing how empowered you really are as a parent and that it really is okay to have difficult conversations with other adults. Yes, Life is hard. The last thing I really ever wanted to do was have a hard conversation with a parenting friend of mine. Ugh. But it's so important and it is so empowering. And in my own experience, I've seen it disrupt some relationships with some parents, but I've also seen it really solidify relationships with other parents and saw it circle back. When I had that hard conversation, a parent Mm -hmm. that never would have talked about alcohol and drug use with kids, I would hear her say things like, no, we're not drinking. I don't know that it was because of the conversation I had with her because the conversation was just about my kid you know it was like okay he cannot yes. drink at your house i just want you to know that and we rely on him to make those decisions but i want you to know we've got family history and if you see anything that the other thing was my empowering her to tell me because some of that is out there too, you'll hear stories of, oh, I saw so-and-so drinking and really Mm -hmm. loaded and driving. And should I tell the parent? Well, as a parent, when you tell another parent, I want to know if you ever see that, not in a punitive harsh way, but in a just FYI, it just is so empowering to everyone. The community comes together. It really is.
1: It, It does. And the parents who don't respect your family code. Those may not be the people that you want to hang out with or that you want your child to hang out with. And those are really good, healthy choices because not every parent is making the best decisions. So we want to help and support, but we also want to make sure that we protect our kiddos.
0: Yeah. And I think when you're candid with other families about where you're at as a parent, it helps like if they're not there, it helps with the judgment. Like I don't have to judge other families that are choosing Mm -hmm. other things for their children, certainly when it comes to substances, but I can make decisions about it for my family and I don't have to even prohibit them from engaging with those kids, but I can have a conversation with my kid about, okay, if you're going to this house, this is what I expect. And, or I could forbid them from going to that house, but I have information, right? I'm empowered. Um, You are let me just say thank you so much, Dr. Collier, for spending all of this time with us. If you look at the description of the podcast, there's all kinds of links for our listeners. And we just really appreciate your sharing this wisdom with us. Thank you. Debbie, it's been an
1: honor. I really love what the, what parents are saying. Talk they Hear You has to offer. And I'm a big supporter and fan as well. Thank you for having me.
0: We want to remind listeners that all Talk They Hear You materials, including this podcast, can be found on the Talk They Hear You website, which is Talk they Hear You, all spelled out, no spaces, .samhsa.gov. SAMHSA is S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov. Please share this site and this podcast with your friends. The more we can be in conversation with each other, the better for everyone, especially our kids. Lastly, we would like to hear from you. Would you like to be on our show? Do you have stories to share or tips or techniques that have worked or not worked for you as a parent? Do you have questions for us or any feedback for topics or improvements of any kind? We know that your input will help us design the most useful interviews possible. For this, please contact us at What Parents Are Saying at gmail.com. Again, all spelled out what parents are saying at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.